Hello! Welcome to another story about the Peters family. The name of this week's story is Pearson's Talent. As always, we've included a line from a hymn or a hymn title within the story. If you recognize it, send your answer to whimsywins at gmail.com. If yours is the first correct answer we receive, we will send you a prize! The name of last week's hymn was Hiding in Thee, from the story Mama Peters' Pent-Up Outburst. But we didn't have a winner. The hymn in last week's story was not quite as obvious, and it isn't as obvious this week either, so you'll have to listen really carefully to hear it. Further, there are two hymns this week. One is in the story, and that's the one we're looking for. The other is in Grandma's Corner, but that hymn isn't the one we're looking for, so don't send that in as your answer. Now, it's time for this week's story, Pearson's Talent. I am told that when I was small, I liked often to be fed. They say I liked when Daddy and Mama lay with me in bed. As a toddler, I wasn't as easy. So they all tell me. Tantrum, stomping, fighting, yelling, at least until I was three. Then I grew to be school-aged, and lessons I began to learn. How water flows and red apples grow, and fires blaze and burn. I am now older and look back at me. Tender, young, and wish to be as carefree at ten years old as when I was babyish. Penelope finished her poem and took a bow. Todd and Pearson applauded encouragingly. And Patience and Priscilla joined in as little mimics. Thank you, thank you. I've been working on it for over, for over a week. I, I just can't wait until the, the talent show, Penelope said with enthusiasm. Me neither. I'm going to do one of my magic tricks. Want to see which one? Todd asked, pulling his big black bag to himself. Yes, came the excited answer from Pearson and Penelope, and of course the twins. Todd pulled a large handkerchief out of his bag. Next, he pulled out a black wand with a white tip. He made a big show of his fist as he walked around and asked each member of his audience for a fist bump. All obliged him, willingly and eagerly. Now, ladies and gents, I show you my fist because I want you to pay close attention. It's nothing extraordinary. In fact, your fist is no different than mine. And these two little ladies here, the Twinkies, they appear only to have smaller fists than mine. But nothing more distinguishes our fists. Do you agree with that? Todd asked his audience, as though they were perfect strangers. Yes, Todd, we agree. Pearson was trying to hurry the magic trick along. Now, please be patient. Magic can't be hurried along. It works in such a way that we must be willing to put in the time in order to reap the harvest. Todd had clearly practiced his lines many times before. Todd, can we get the show on the road? It's taking forever, Pearson responded. No, it's perfect. Todd's building anticipation. Penelope sounded almost as excited as Todd. Thank you, good sir. And of course, young miss. And the younger Miss Twinkies. Todd pointed to Patience and Priscilla. If you'll let me proceed. As you have noted, my fist is nothing out of the ordinary, but sometimes extraordinary things can come from from ordinary means. Penelope, impressed by Todd's rhyme, began to clap. (laughs) Hold your applause to the end, please, Todd commanded. Now I direct your attention to this ordinary red handkerchief. Would anyone in my audience like to feel it and ensure that it's nothing more than a red silk handkerchief? I mean handkerchief. Todd was so excited and speaking so quickly that he began to trip over his words. Pearson, who was enjoying the show, but feeling antsy to see the trick actually performed, shook his head vehemently to indicate that he had no interest in seeing that the handkerchief was ordinary. But it was too late. Penelope's arm shot up, 
and she began to exuberantly wave her hand. And as if on cue, Patience and Priscilla did the same thing, mimicking their big sister. Todd looked with satisfaction at his admiring fans and walked dramatically to each one of them, allowing them to feel the silk handkerchief for as long as he felt necessary. Penelope touched it, as did Patience and Priscilla. Todd walked up to Pearson next. And how about you, sir? Would this rockin' but bad mood dude like the feel of the handkerchief? I'm not in a bad mood. I just want to see the trick. But if feeling the handkerchief makes this go faster, I'll feel it. Pearson put his hand to the handkerchief. In truth, Pearson did want to feel the handkerchief. So he spent just as much time examining it as Penelope, Priscilla, and Patience had. All right. Are all you skeptics in my, in my audience satisfied that not only is my fist the real deal bona fide fist with nothing special or extraordinary, but so is the handkerchief very real with nothing that might raise your suspicions, no matter how critical a spirit you are, even the dude in the front row? Todd laughed <laughs> and pointed to Pearson. Todd proceeded to lay the handkerchief over his fisted hand. He took the wand with the other hand and melodramatically tapped his hand. I am tap, tap, tapping, but I feel like nothing's changed with the handkerchief. I wonder if perhaps I need to hear words from the members of my audience to bring the trick to fruition. Fruition? I don't even know what that means, Pearson exclaimed. I'm sorry you're lacking a solid education, young man, but the bottom line is I need some cooperative folks in my audience to give me the words that might cause this trick to be successful. Todd winked. Does anyone know any words that might make this trick work? Todd had barely gotten the words out of his mouth before Penelope yelled, I do. I know some words. How about abracadabra? Whoa, what enthusiasm from an audience member. What's your name, dudette? It's Penelope Susanna Peters, Penelope shouted, happily playing along with Todd's act. Well, Miss Peters, the choice you made is perfect. Now will everyone join with me and say loudly and plainly, abracadabra on three. One. Two, three. The small audience of four responded with a resounding abracadabra. Then, on cue, and with a dramatic flair, Todd pulled the handkerchief off a rather large bouquet of fake flowers, and the audience of four ooed and awed because it had been an amazing trick. Todd, this is perfect for the talent show. You have to do that trick, Penelope shouted. Why, thanks, Dudette. But I've got one more trick I'm going to do, too. It's going to blow your minds. Show it to us, Todd, Pearson begged. Nah, sorry, old boy. I got to save some of the magic for the big show, because I want you to enjoy it, too. Okay, fine. I, I guess that makes sense, Pearson responded reluctantly. All right, Pierce, your turn. What are you going to do for the talent show? Todd asked his best friend. I don't think I'm going to do anything, Todd. I'll be just fine watching in the audience. What? Bro, you just gotta do something. You kidding me? It's the talent show. It's gonna be smoking awesome. I know, but I don't know what I would do. I mean, I don't really... I mean, I have no idea what I could do for a talent show. I I can't think of a talent that I even have. Pearson's voice sounded downright gloomy. Oh, Pearson, you've got to think of something. It would be so fun if we were all in the show together, Penelope implored. Well, I'll have to think about it, Pearson answered. The talk about the talent show was interrupted by Mama Peters' call for dinner, for which Todd was staying. 
If Pearson thought he would get any relief from talent show talk at the table, he was sadly mistaken. Because Todd and Penelope were chattering away at the table, and Mama and Daddy Peters were asking all sorts of questions, there was no escaping it. Pearson knew he wasn't planning to participate in the show, so it was a bit uncomfortable for him. He couldn't think of a single talent that he possessed. He sat there listening and trying to rack his brain for anything. I mean, he loved baseball. And as he was quietly musing, his mind drifted to the time he was pitching for his team, the Evergreen Cedars, in the bottom of the seventh. There were two outs, and their big hitter was up. His name was Patrick Fitter, but everyone knew him as Big Hitter Fitter. The tying run was on second, and Pearson was nervous as an old wet hen. He threw the first two pitches out of the strike zone, and then threw a strike right down the pike. That Big Hitter Fitter didn't even try to hit. He just stood there, like he was frozen or something. It gave Pearson a slight boost of confidence. So on the next pitch, he put a little bit more pop on it, and it sailed in for a hard second strike. Big Hitter Fitter was now two and two at the plate, and he hadn't even moved a muscle. Pearson was one strike away from winning the ball game. He wound up and threw the ball as hard as he could. Within a nanosecond, Big Hitter Fitter showed why he had that moniker. He blasted it over the left field fence. Pearson winced at the thought and followed up with, Yeah, baseball's out. I've got no talents. As he continued to sit silently thinking, his mind drifted again to his running. He knew that he was a pretty fast runner, although he had learned some hard lessons in pride when he was running. But a talent show is not going to be able to show someone's athletic abilities. I mean, what am I supposed to do, run across the stage? He quietly asked himself. And besides, the idea of running across the stage was pretty absurd. Pearson did a quick mental calculation and realized it would take less than a second for him to run across the stage. That idea was out. Whatever could he do that actually might be worth watching? Daddy Peters interrupted his daydreaming. Hey, Pierce, what are you going to do for the talent show? Oh, Daddy Peters, I don't think I I I'm going to do anything. I think I'd rather just watch the show. Oh, really? How come? I'd love to see you up there doing something really cool. Daddy Peters encouraged. I remember the first time I was in a talent show as a kid. It was a lot of fun. But do you know what my talent was? I whistled. I whistled the old hymn Redeemed. And I didn't just whistle it once, either. I whistled all four verses of it. Can you imagine? No one was singing along or anything. They just had to hear that many verses whistled. And now that I think about it, it's pretty funny. But the funniest thing at the end of it, I was so red-faced and exhausted and, and kind of out of breath that I collapsed on the floor of the stage. And Grandma kept saying, He needs air! He needs air! I think people probably thought I was dead because Grandma made it really clear that I needed air. Daddy Peters laughed at the memory. <laughs> Daddy Peters, that is a funny talent. I can whistle, but not real well. Pearson demonstrated his whistle. It was obvious that Pearson was right. He wasn't very good at whistling. Well, Piers, looking back, I'm not sure I was so good at whistling either, but I sure had fun. After dinner, Mrs. Hicks arrived to pick up Todd. After seeing Todd and Mrs. Hicks to the door, there was family worship time and bath time, and then it was bedtime. 
As he laid in his bed thinking about the talent show, Harrison did his utmost to think of a way that he could contribute to the event. The evergreen community first talent show. But nothing came to mind. He stared into the darkness and felt a twinge of sadness at his clear lack of anything unique about himself. When Daddy Peters made the rounds to make sure everyone was snug in their bed, he discovered Pearson, wide awake. Pearson, why aren't you asleep, bud? Oh, I I just can't sleep yet, Daddy Peters. Well, why not? What are you thinking about? Daddy Peters asked as he sat at the end of the bed. I... I I kind of was trying to think of something I'm talented at. But Daddy Peters, I keep coming up short. Like, I I don't know if I have any talents. I'm pretty average. Just plain and simple average. Pearson, that prompts me to ask this question. What's so bad about being average? Well, Daddy Peters, there's nothing special about me. I mean, Todd is so fun and, and he's funny. And he always knows what to say and when to say it. And, and he's doing his magic show. And Penelope, she's a really good writer, and she she plays the piano really well, too. But, Daddy Peters, I'm not really actually good at anything. I don't know. I'm just average and plain. Pearson, I think you're saying it like being average is a bad thing. But it's essential to redefine the terms. Certainly, according to human standards, average does mean there's nothing special about you on the outside. But you should actually be great with that. It isn't necessary to stand out as special to the world, as being able to draw attention or have fame for something really great on the outside, because God doesn't look on the outward appearance, but he looks at the heart, right? The world always tries to elevate themselves and put it in our minds that we're special, that all girls are beautiful, that we in our own right are completely unique and worthy of praise. But it doesn't matter what the world thinks. We don't need to blend into the world. The world's philosophy holds no sway over us. It was the same way with Jesus. To a world who was blind, he was just average. Think about what Isaiah 53 says about Jesus. He had no stately form or majesty that we should even look at him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. According to the world's standards, Jesus looked and acted pretty average. Of course, until his earthly ministry began. Mary and Joseph didn't view him as just average especially when they thought they lost him on the road home. But the point is, Pearson, Jesus has never treasured what man thinks. Daddy Peters pulled out his phone and turned to John 2. Pearson, listen to what verse 24 says. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. And then listen to verse 25. And needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So like Jesus, we aren't to care what others think about us. We aren't to care about being average or what the world thinks. And I know that's hard. We shouldn't even be bothered by being just average. What is absolutely most important is that we love God with all our hearts. And we must do our best. We must strive not to have thoughts about ourselves that make us feel good about ourselves. Our thoughts must be God-centered, that exalt Him. And like John the Baptist, we want to make him greater and his name famous that we might become less. But there's a twist to all of this, Pearson. The beautiful part of this is that God cares and loves us and has uniquely woven each of us together and because of his great love has adopted us to be his sons 
when we put our trust and faith in Jesus. How special is that? You, my son, are a child of the living God, not because you're special or because you're talented, but because of his great love. And that must be our focus. Oh, Daddy Peters, I get all that. I remember in my class when we were in school, our teacher used to tell us that we should think something good about ourselves and tell ourselves good things about ourselves. I always felt like a big faker because she would say to say out loud, I'm special and I'm important and I can make a difference. But I felt so uncomfortable with that and I didn't know why back then. But I think I know why now. You've explained it, Daddy Peters, and I think I understand. Well, what do you think would have been a better thing to say out loud, Pearson? Well, Daddy Peters, I'm starting to understand that it doesn't matter what I think about myself. It only matters that I think less about myself. So maybe I should have been saying, I'm no better than anyone, but God saved me because he's greater than me. He must increase and I must decrease. Man, oh man, Pierce, you may not be able to think of a talent, but God sure has gifted you with wisdom at such a young age. I want to remember that for me, that it doesn't matter what you think of me or even what I think of me. It only matters that I think less of me and more of him. I added on to what you said, but I like it, Pierce. It goes right along with the passage about John the Baptist. So praise God. He put his hand up for Pearson to high five. The sound caused Lady, the Peters's chocolate lab, who had been sound asleep in her bed, which was close to Pearson's bed, to stir. She yawned and got up, her tail wagging. She barked a couple of times and acted as though it was time to play. Both Pearson and Daddy Peters shushed her, and Lady hung her head. Pearson loved Lady, and he didn't want her to feel bad, so he gave her a couple of quick commands. Here, Lady, shake. Lady put out her paw, and Pearson shook it. That seemed to please Lady. Now sit, Lady. Lady instantly sat down. Knowing that it was time for Pearson and Lady to go to bed, Pearson directed that Lady lie down in her bed. She obeyed, and Pearson, too, readied himself for bed as he pulled the blankets over him. Then it struck both Daddy Peters and Pearson. They began to speak in unison. Of course, Pearson deferred to Daddy Peters. But Daddy Peters wanted to hear what Pearson had to say first. Okay, Daddy Peters, I've got it. I know of a talent I have. Piers, but I think I know what you're going to say. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Does your talent in any way involve Lady? Oh, Daddy Peters, it sure does. I'll practice with Lady until the talent show, and then she can come along with us to the community center. I'm sure everyone will love watching her as she follows my commands. I'm also going to try to teach her a few new tricks, too. Well, Pearson, that's a splendid idea. Praise God for bringing it to mind, even if Lady has now awakened everyone in the house. Daddy Peters quietly chuckled. (laughs) Daddy Peters, I'm so glad we had the same idea. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, and you're the best dad in the world. Thanks for helping me out tonight. Well, whatever you do, as long as you are working with it all of your heart as for the Lord, it will bring him great glory, Pierce. And it's easy to be the best dad in the world to my favorite son in the world. I love you. Now go to sleep. Pearson hugged Daddy Peters and lay down. With a smile on his face, 
He reached over and patted Lady on the head, and before long, they were both fast asleep. This is Grandmom's Corner. Several weeks ago, Whimsy Wins used the hymn, Oh Love That Will Not Let Me Go, in the story. I took the time to read up on the author, George Matheson. He was born with very poor eyesight. He could only see shapes and fuzzy images. As he grew older, his eyesight worsened, and he became dependent on his oldest sister to be his assistant. George loved God and memorized wide swaths of scripture. He became a pastor and was known as the blind preacher. He would dictate his sermons to his sister who would write them down. Despite his disability, he was known as a joyful person, one not easily disheartened. He wasn't a musician, yet he wrote at least 10 hymns. The hymn, O Love That Will Not Let Me Go, was written the night his sister, the one who was his trusted assistant, got married. Her marriage, of course, would change things. Here is what George said about the night he wrote the song. My hymn was composed on the evening of June 6, 1882, when I was 40 years of age. I was alone. It was the night of my sister's marriage. Something happened to me, which was only known to myself and which caused me the most severe mental suffering. The hymn was the fruit of that suffering. It was the quickest bit of work I ever did in my life. I had the impression of having it dictated to me by some inward voice. I am quite sure that the whole work was composed in five minutes. I have no natural gift of rhythm, but this song came like a day spring from on high. Though George states he had no natural gift of rhythm, God used him to write a hymn rich in words about depending on God, which fits right in with this week's story. Pearson Peters didn't think he had any sort of talent, but it dawned on him that he could display his ability to train his beloved lady, the family dog, in a talent show. As Daddy Peters pointed out, what mattered most is that whatever Pearson did, he should do it all for the glory of God. As Psalm 96.8 instructs all people everywhere to ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, bring an offering, and enter his courts. In other words, honor and glorify God as the one true God, the Lord of heaven and earth. Here is my son-in-law, Robert, who has shared his gift of trumpet playing with us before, playing, O love, that will not let me go. The Lord willing, we'll be back next week with another story about the Peters family. Bye for now.